Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. The Danny Mac Show with BK Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. Thursday edition of the show, Danny Mac Show with BK. Tanner with us as well. Ned Coletti, looking forward to that, is coming up. All right, fellas, two and four road trip. Cardinals uh, have had five times now with a rubber game to win a series. Five times they've come up short. Hasn't happened to start a season since 1959, I believe. So it's been a long time. And the Cardinals, a couple of games below 500. 50s. I remember them like they were yesterday. You bet we do. Uh, well, it went into a good decade in the 60s. You're, you're, it's a, That's you're, right. you're laying the base. That's, That's right. what you were doing in 59. Um, so the Cardinals, a couple of games below 500 coming into the off day today. And then the Reds will be in town tomorrow to take on the Cardinals. Looking forward to that. Could be an interesting series with the return of Castellanos. Two teams that will probably go back and forth all season long. So... Uh, generally speaking, it's been a so-so start, and uh, I got to tell you both, good morning. Good I didn't, morning, I didn't tell you good morning. It's good to see you, my friend. Uh, that was a rough one, and the Cardinals had not played a one-run game all season. Now they've played back-to-back yeah. one-run games, which has been uh, quite a different feeling for Cardinals fans. I think the thing yesterday that's so frustrating about that game is you had it. It was there for the taking. And early on, you had Max Scherzer against the ropes. You weren't able to take advantage late in the game. You had their bullpen on the ropes. You weren't able to take advantage. And when you're the Cardinals and you're an offense that's been scuffling at times this year, you've got to take advantage of those kinds of opportunities that present themselves. And far too often, Dan, they haven't been able to come through in those spots this season. Bases loaded against Scherzer first inning, then back-to-back strikeouts, Carlson and Carpenter. Um, and I said it at the time on the game. I, don't, I think yep. you were still on the air. Maybe you saw it, but I said, this is the game maybe right here for the Cardinals. If you get something against Max Scherzer, not knowing what you were going to get out of Martinez, which was a very good start, um, you got to strike when you have the opportunity because he's so good, and he is. I mean, he's going to the Hall of Fame. And then... Now you you look and say, well, that's why that guy makes $35 million. He's one of the best in the business still. And he was able to get back-to-back strikeouts. And the Cardinals at one point looked up and he had set down 12 in a row. It was after the double by Carlos Martinez, of all people. Mm-hmm. 12 in a row after that. They turned it over their bullpen. And they had a chance late with the bases loaded, Carpenter up again. I had no problem with them using Carpenter in that spot. I, I know that some fans are just done with Matt Carpenter. I get it. I understand numbers aren't there, hasn't produced. But the success that he's had has been, at times, many times, best in history, bases loaded. And you either use Yachty in that spot, probably, mm-hmm. or it's Matt Carpenter. They went with Matt Carpenter. They used Yachty later. Didn't work out. Closed the books. Dropped two or three, and you move on. The other thing is like Giovanni Gallegos the other day, right, where we said, hey, you want to find out? Can you come through in this spot? You're putting Matt Carpenter in a big spot here. Can you come through for us? The answer in that particular situation was no. And, Dan, I mentioned this, the hitting with runners and scoring position Terrible. the other day. 0 for 11 over the last two days for the Cardinals. And now they have 15 games on the season in which they have scored fewer than 10 runs. So the vast majority of the year, they've scored fewer than 10 runs in their games. In those 15 games, 
They are 12 for 83 with runners in scoring position. And this is not cherry picking stats. This is outside of the three massive outburst games. They have been awful batting 025 with runners in scoring position. That can't happen. That is just not good enough. 0 for 5 yesterday with runners in scoring position. They stranded nine men on base. And Mike Schilt on missing that chance in the first. Yeah, no, that's fair. You want to get any guy early. You know, you get a guy on his heels a little bit that is established like him. You know, it's obviously a competitive advantage. I, I did feel like, um, you know, we were going to be able to to do some things, but he got better as he went. You know, he, he was he was effective, and you know we were able to take a lot of good at bats and and got his pitch count up to some degree and got him out of there. But uh, yeah, it would have been nice to have been able to to cash in after some really good at bats in the first against him for sure. So Carpenter yesterday, by the way, he was part of that first inning, 0 for 4, a couple of strikeouts, and then he came up with the bases loaded twice, did not come up, couldn't bring in a run, a strikeout, then a flyout to right, hit the ball hard, didn't get down, so results-driven business, Mike Schilt. I don't have a great answer for, you know, any more that Matt Carpenter can do, and, you know, like I said, if he was taking at bats that weren't looking good and timing was right, not right, he's rolling over and getting beat and, you know, doing some of the things that, that are indicative of a guy not swinging the bat well, you'd have a hard time running him back out there. But gosh darn, <laughs> you know, the guy's, guy's hitting ball square. And and uh, we do recognize the shift is a part of it. But So it's uh, it's definitely frustrating for him, and we'll continue to, to see what it looks like. Is it a dilemma right now for Mike Schilt? And what's happening here with Carpenter? Is it a guy that you know is hitting the ball hard? But, um, but we also recognize that, People expect results out of this organization and this team, and we, we expect them as well. But, you know, we also know over the course of our experiences what tends to work over a period of time, and we also know we're in April. Well, you're 10% through the season. You've given him a run now, and it has not been good because it's results-driven business. You either get on base or you don't. And you can give me all the measurables. I get it. He's hitting the ball hard, barrel rate, all that stuff. I get it. Um, but it's about a result of getting on base and coming through in that spot. Now, so how do we advance the story here? Tyler O'Neill is coming off the injured list on Friday, and you would have to say that O'Neill will get a start. I would see Williams out there. I'd see Carlson. So what does that mean? Tommy Edmond is playing second base. Carpenter goes to the bench, and that's what I, I do see because the role of Matt Carpenter when healthy with the team healthy was going to be him occasionally getting a start and being your left-handed uh, hitter off the bench. So Tyler O'Neill got hurt on April 10th. And Dan, I looked up what all the guys that have played second slash outfield have done since that date, right? And this is super simplistic. This is just, what is your batting average in that span? Austin Dean batting 333. Dylan Carlson, 286. Tommy Edmond, 302. Justin Williams, 290. Matt Carpenter, 111. And I know that that is the most simplistic way to look at this, but Matt Carpenter also has one walk in that span. So it isn't like he's getting on base a whole hell of a lot. Eventually, the results do have to matter. And every other guy that got an opportunity with Tyler O'Neill out of the lineup was better one for one than Matt Carpenter with their production relative to what he's done so far. So I think these other guys have earned it at this point. Tyler O'Neill has he earned it? I don't know, but he's going to get opportunities as well. He deserves to get another chance. So Matt Carpenter, for me, I was on the let carp cook train. He was crushing the baseball. He's hitting it as hard as anybody in the sport. 
Eventually got to get these things to drop, man. And they're just not dropping for Matt Carpenter. 712, I feel like Dan is being dismissive, very dismissive of these early season losses. <laughs> Do early season games not matter? Do we not care about the present results? Of course you want to win those games, but the games in April, yes, the cliche is they mean a lot in the win column as opposed to what you get in September. They're very meaningful there. However, to get to the point where you have a chance to win in September and figure out what kind of, kind of team you are is that you're figuring out your roster as you go yeah. along in April. So I'm not dismissing the losses. I'm just saying that you need to figure out your team and what you have going forward. I always look at Memorial Day as being a very good benchmark for the kind of team you have. And if you need to make adjustments, you do. Or if you keep rolling along, you keep rolling along. But it's 10% into a long season. The other thing is we knew this was going to be the case with this specific Cardinals team. Like, we're not... We're not breaking down the Arizona Diamondbacks right now. We're talking about the Cardinals, who we knew coming into the year had a lot of question marks, especially with the injuries that popped up for them. With Harrison Bader being on the IL to start the year, with two of your starting pitchers being on the IL, with your rotation of outfielders that you wanted to find out what they could do. Matt Carpenter, you got to find out what he can do. You knew that April was going to be basically an extended spring training in some ways for your position players. And that's what it's been. You find out what these guys can bring to the roster. We found out Lane Thomas probably not going to be the answer for them this year in the outfield, at least for the here and now. Some of these other guys, though, have stepped up. And now as you get closer to May, you move forward. I want to see more of what they can do. You know who I want? Who's that? I want Max Scherzer. Well, yeah, I just want him. Me too. I want him in a Cardinal <laughs> uniform. I don't care what it takes. Go get that guy. Man, he was. It's um, interesting how many pieces I've seen already about that possibility, by the way. There's another one out this morning about it. You know, it's it's interesting. He makes $35 million, So if you trade him, let's say they hold on to him through uh, July, you go to the trade deadline. So a team takes on about $12 million in salary, free agent to be. I made the point on the broadcast yesterday, you're going to pay Juan Soto at some point. I mean, he's not going anywhere. Yep. So you're going to pay top dollar for him. I would think they'd love to keep Trey Turner, who is a terrific shortstop and should be considered in the class with some of the other guys that we're talking about with Trevor Story and Lindor. And I mean, look at Trey Turner. He's right there with him. Yeah. So you're going to have to pay him. You're already paying Strasburg. That could turn out ugly, not knowing how physically he holds up. Corbin is in year three of a six-year deal that pays him, I think, $140 million. So, And they had backloaded a bunch of deals even prior to that. So Scherzer, uh, I, yeah, I want him. <laughs> That's the fan in me. I want to see the hometown kid come home and, oh, man, is he and good. he's just awesome. He is. Like, God, is that guy good. He competes, though, BK, on every pitch. And I'm not saying that every, every you know, other pitchers and other players don't compete. Don't get me wrong with what I'm saying. Because I'm not saying that. But this guy, man, is at another level. Yeah, I mean, you can see it. We've seen it this year with Nolan Arenado. With every pitch that he's seeing at the plate, he competes. Yadier Molina has always been that way in his career. Albert Pujols used to be that way. Like, there are, there are certain guys, even in a sport full of competitors, that stand out as true alphas, even among all of the rest yes. of those guys. And that is what Max Scherzer is. Like, you want to talk about ace, and we've thrown that label on a dozen different guys in the Cardinals pitching staff over the last 10 years. Max Scherzer's an ace. Oh, I, I don't care if he's yeah. 57 or 27. That guy is an ace in every sense of the word. Well, again, going back to the first inning, bases loaded. You could see he didn't quite have all of his stuff early because he hit uh, Tommy Edmond. There was a walk prior to that. So, you you know, he's trying to fi- you know, find it a little bit. Really windy day. It was 29 miles an hour wind, cold. 
So you're trying to find it. And what's he do when the game is on the line? First inning, bases loaded, boom, boom. Two strikeouts, settles in. Next thing you know, Max Scherzer's through six with a bunch of strikeouts, I think nine on the day. And he passed Mike Mussina all time in the strikeout list. He's now 21st all by himself. He's going to get 3,000 maybe this year. I mean, the guy is a stud, man. And that's what, as you said, I think you're exactly right. The alphas, they're all really good players, but he's an alpha of those of those guys, you just those those guys don't fall off trees, man. He's special. And the other thing is, he is consistency. Yeah. And the Cardinals lack some consistency, both with their offense and in their rotation. It's been better of late. The rotation has definitely been better, but you're looking at a bunch of young guys. And the one that I would pinpoint as kind of my swing guy for whether or not I would be super interested in Scherzer next year in particular, Dan, would be Alex Reyes. I don't know what their plan is with him, but if it continues to be one inning spurts here and there. I'm going to have a really hard time believing that they're truly going to just take off the training wheels next year and start him for 30 games. So in that case, maybe Max Scherzer makes a ton of sense for this rotation. next. Had year. to pay a lot of money to get him because he's, you know, he's still performing at a high level. Yeah. You look at what Verlander got. That's kind of a comp. That's a lot of money. And he's been worth every penny of it for the Washington Nationals. You pay two and 50. I don't run the books. Uh, so do you if you're think asking, that's probably, let, let me clarify here. Do you think that's about what the asking price would probably be? Yeah, I bet he's 20, 25. Be 37 years old next year. What's Verlander getting? I'll have to check that out. Yeah. I think the comp is Verlander and wasn't even as good as Scherzer. Two years, is. $66 million. Yeah. Verlander got. There you go. And how old is Verlander now? 30. Verlander's 38. So it was literally one for one in yeah. terms of when he got that extension and when it kicked in, what yeah. he's going to get. I think that's the comp. And Scherzer, in my opinion, before Verlander was traded, is better right now. Now we'll see how he holds up through the year. But, yeah, that's the comp. I'd do it. Oh, I'd love to see it. <laughs> the Cardinals have a bunch of money coming off the books. If you're telling me, hey, $20 million was the Matt Carpenter deal, and then you've got like $10 million that was going towards Andrew Miller or whatever, just put that towards Max Scherzer. Be pretty cool. Just, just take a one for one, and we'll just go ahead and figure out what we got to do with the rest. And you know we love our own here in town. Oh, yeah. Hometown kid coming home. Oh. Yeah, I'd love it. He'd that's the amazing. fan in me. I love it. I mean, he'd be fun to watch every fifth day. All right, that's BK. I'm Danny Mac. Ned Coletti is coming up, and we'll visit with him next on 101 ESPN. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Ned Coletti coming up at around 1030 here on the Danny Mac Show with BK. Uh, the Cardinals... Uh, game one, 12-5. Good start, Jack Flaherty. I would say good, not great, because I'd love to see him go deeper with those big leads. He knows he's got to be more efficient. He's even uh, talked about that. Then they lose. Games two and three. Nationals didn't have one of the best hitters in baseball and Juan Soto. All three games in the series, quality starts from your starter. Game two, you're going up against Patrick Corbin. Cardinals had Wayno. He was dealing. He was awesome. Bullpen gave up the lead in the eighth with Gallegos. Well, Carlos Martinez yesterday. You have a chance to jump Max Scherzer early. They don't do it. But the bottom line is, the silver lining, if you want that, is that the starters for Mike Schilt have uh, given them a chance to win. Three quality starts in a row, you know, won the first game of the series. And we'd have taken our chances in the next two games if we knew we were only going to give up four runs. Really good effort by Carlos today. More than kept us in it. 
good game plan coming into the series. Game plan's only as good as the execution. And, you know, the guys really execute very well, Jack, Wayno, and Carlos. So a lot of pods from a starting pitching standpoint and uh, just wasn't, wasn't good enough collectively to bring it home today. Cardinals have 17 straight coming up, BK, 14 of the 17 being at home. So three against Cincinnati, four against the Phillies at home. You'll go to Pittsburgh for three. Then you've got the Mets and Colorado. Going to that Mets series. I'm very excited about that. Uh, hopefully you get to see Jacob deGrom. Hopefully I get to see him. I know I'm going to see Francisco Lindor, and that's what I'm really excited about. I love watching deGrom. Yeah. He's you know, we're just talking about Max Scherzer. This guy, anytime I say, well, he might throw a no-hitter. You know, he's that good. He's dominant. But this is the greater point of what we're talking about here. 14-17 at home. And I like where the, the pitching is going. Oviedo is going to make one of these starts, too. So you're going to have a decision with your, your roster on, on pitching and what you want to do. But the trickle-down effect that you have, when you get starters that give you innings, six to seven innings, your bullpen gets somebody out there more than likely is going to get a day of rest. And you're not just worried about covering outs, covering innings. It's settled down a little bit. That's the one thing I take away from these, these games with uh, the, the, uh, the nationals. And that's why you've had lopsided games too. It's yep. not just the offense being ineffective. Sometimes you're pitching when it's not effective, that's a problem too. And you get the lopsided side of that. So that's one part of what you take away in this series with the nationals is that the starting pitching it uh, it was much better, and you got you got to have that going forward. Yeah, this was supposed to be part of the identity of the 2021 Cardinals, and it has been now, not just for these last three starts, but really for the last three starts of the individual pitchers, Flaherty, Wayno, and Martinez as well. Flaherty in his last three starts has a 1.6 ERA. He's given up a 167 batting average against. That'll play. Wayno in his last three starts, 2.6 ERA against. Carlos in his last three starts, he allowed six earned runs in one inning against Philly, but he allowed four in the other five, uh, 15 innings that he threw. And yesterday was his longest start, Dan, since 2018. So in three years, you're finally starting to see what the Cardinals were hoping that this rotation would look like. Now you got to get KK into the mix. We'll see what he looks like on Friday. Hopefully he gets a little bit more depth in his start. But if he is able to, and you add in Oviedo into this mix as well, suddenly you're allowing for time for this offense to kind of find its gear, find its level. They've had moments this year where they look great, and they've had a lot of moments where, kind of like the last two games, 0 for 11 with runners in scoring position, they sputter and things look bad, but the rotation was supposed to be the part of the identity, and it's starting to look like it's going to be. Four hits, six innings for Carlos. He gave up the run, and the reality is that shouldn't have scored. I mean, Josh Bell scoring all the way from first on that play, it was mishandled on the relay. If they handle that cleanly, which more times than not they will, he's out by five, seven feet, and you're scoreless. That was frustrating. So the three quality starts, all quality starts, 19 innings, 15 hits, seven runs, four earned, four walks, 18 strikeouts, 10 by Wayno in that series. Mike Schilt on Carlos Martinez yesterday in game number three. Yeah, I think the body of work for Carlos has been pretty impressive, The couple innings, to your point, has been um, kind of the Achilles heel for him. But today, he was fantastic. Um, didn't have a lot of jams. I mean, Avila hits a two-out double and, you know, hit a little two-iron out there. So, you know, just not not uh, not that part wasn't great. But Carlos has been really good, sharp today. Threw a lot of strikes, um, multiple pitches, a lot of movement to his ball. You know, I think he had eight ground ball outs. I thought he threw the ball very, very well. If you take out the three-run inning against the Reds, six-run inning against the Phillies, woulda, coulda, shoulda, I yeah. get it, but 19 innings and a two three seven ERA. 
That's Carlos Martinez when he's right. It's just been the two big innings that have gotten him. Yeah, and he's got to find a way to consistently pitch out of the stretch because when he doesn't have runners on, he looks great out there. The problem is once you get that first runner on, and especially when he gets a guy in scoring position, suddenly the mechanics get all out of whack, and now it becomes a big inning like we have seen too many times in Carlos's career, much less this season. If he's able to do that consistently, Dan, I think you're going to have a really nice starter that if he's your fourth or fifth starter in the rotation, you feel pretty good about where you are as a team. When he's been kind of your second or third best starter, that's that's when things become a problem. I know fans, and we've had a few on the text line talking about the strikeouts of the lineup. Well, this is not just a problem here in St. Louis. I don't know if you have seen this, BK. There have been, going into play today, Major League Baseball, 528 total team games. 528. So there's been 4,053 hits. Take a guess of how many strikeouts. Got to be more. Just take a guess. So you got 4,053 hits. 4,100. 4,821 strikeouts right now in Major League Baseball. Almost 800 more strikeouts than hits in the game. So while you look at it and we focus on the Cardinals, and yes, it is problematic. You want to see the ball in play. This is a problem across the board right now in Major League Baseball. That is baseball right now in 2021. The other thing is just if you look at the Cardinals relative to the rest of the league, they're basically league average um, in terms of their strikeout rate. So you're right, Dan. It is a problem across the league, and it feels like it's an issue here in St. Louis. I think maybe even more so it feels like it's an outsized importance because of when these strikeouts are taking place. That's right. They're happening when you've got the bases loaded. They have that first inning where you have two guys in a row, one out, two outs, you strike out and you score nothing, you scratch nothing across in that inning. That's brutal. That's when it really hurts and you remember that. It comes back into your mind of how do they not get runs across there? Oh, it was the strikeout. And so that becomes a problem. They're striking out 25% of the time this year. That's basically the exact same as Pittsburgh, Miami, Colorado. That's the middle of the National League right now. Yep, it's right in the middle of the pack. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. That's Danny Mac. I'm Brandon Kylie. It is the Danny Mac show with BK on 101 ESPN. Very happy to go out to the Brownie and Crouppen celebrity line. Former Dodgers general manager Ned Coletti joining us here on the show. Ned, we always appreciate the time, sir. How you doing today? Doing well. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning to you as well. So, Ned, here in St. Louis, Cardinals fans are in a bit of a frenzy after what has been a a weird, strange start to the season. The Cardinals have three games so far this year where they've scored double-digit runs, and then in the other games, the offense has sputtered. I'm curious from a general manager's perspective, how long do you tend to give it before you feel like you have a good sense of what your team is? Well, baseball is different than other sports in that you play it every day. And so what I would do is I would I would gather information on a very small basis daily. And I would usually let teams play till you get to about the 1st of May, unless it's really, really bad or really, really good. Then you can make a few determinations a touch before you get to the beginning of May. But you got to let your season start. You got to let guys kind of get get settled in, whether they're veterans, whether they're new to the club, whether they're young players that have not that much experience or maybe no major league experience. 
you know, when you watch baseball every day, you, you tend to make decisions every day, whether you're fans, executives, whoever, you, you tend to evaluate it on a daily basis. And you have to. But I would evaluate it very, very, very smallly on a, on a, on a daily basis because otherwise you'll make mistakes. Guy goes through a rough two weeks opening a season. You're going to run him out of there? Well, you better have somebody better. That's another thing people don't always think about. Just to change faces or to change people around, that's cool. You better have somebody better, better, and you better know you have somebody better, and you better know that whoever you're going to discount isn't going to go someplace else because the environment wasn't right for him or it's it's only a two-week look. So you got to be patient. Patience is tough. Without it, you got no chance. Hey, Ned, I've, I've really admired your career from afar, and Ned Coletti is our guest. I, I'm curious, as you watch the game as a whole, I just mentioned to BK, We've got about 4,000 hits and about 4,800 strikeouts. So it's an incredible amount of, of the, the difference in strikeouts and hits and where we're at with the game as a whole. What, what do you think about the game right now, the way it's being played, and maybe some changes you would look forward to to putting more action in the game? Well, I, I do a lot of different things still with the game, including television and, and, and a lot of radio and a lot of just conversations with, with people that I've, have the tremendous amount of respect for that, that played the game and were either hall of fame players close to it or, or players that have a tremendous respect for the history of it and, and being a part of it. And, uh, they tell me, they say, you know, it, it's tough to watch. Was it this tough when I played and, and questions like that? I think when you, when you mention how many strikeouts there are versus hits, I think maybe two or three years ago, that may have been the first time that's ever happened. I think it happens continually since. Um, you know, I think there's there needs to be adjustment to it. People can talk about moving the mound, and they can you know, make you face three hitters if you're a pitcher, unless the inning ends and uh, seven inning double headers and start the extra innings with a runner on second. All those things have an impact on it. I just think the pitching is is not as good as it used to be almost everywhere. And when you go ball one, ball two, foul ball, some guy can't make a pitch to get a hitter out or that he runs a two and two, three and two, another couple foul balls and he can't make a pitch and he walks the guy. That's where the game gets long for me, the lack of pitching. And if you watch every pitch and you watch, you watch a lot and, you know, that's how I've watched a game for 40 years. It's really pitch to pitch. It can change a game. Can change the season, any pitch you see, but a lot of people, you know, they don't necessarily look at it that. But think about how long some of bats go mm-hmm. because the pitchers can't pitch. Is it? Is know, it? And the strikeouts are not indicator an indicator of the pitchers pitching. That's just an indication of a philosophy. Do you think it's it's because guys are so max effort now, or they're rushed, or what do you think that would be the what would be the reason behind that? Well, probably those, at least those two things and probably many more, you know, yeah. it's, you know, I did a lot of showcases and, and scouted a lot and, you know, young people didn't want to be able to pitch. They wanted to be able to throw hard, you know, and, and wow, I could, I could got it up to 95 today. Someone's going to draft me. Another guy's at 89, but he can spin a curveball. He's got a feel for a change. He understands how to pitch, you know, I mean, it, it's a different philosophy. It's where people think that, their, their bread is going to be buttered going forward is, is things like that. But, and, and how ready are they? You know, I mean, the minor leagues, people run through it. I used to have my scouts, you know, scout, scout, triple A and double A before you get to Memorial day. 
get up, get everybody in as you can, because once you get past a certain period in May, the only people left in double A AA and triple A are not people that are going to pitch in the big leagues. Guys that can pitch in the big leagues are already up, but are they ready? It's a good question. I, it's just tough. And, you know, and I, I work for an organization and a team that is probably the best organization and team in the game for a while now, the Dodgers. And, and this is how they win night in, night out. They, they can pitch. They can make a pitch. They can attack a hitter. They can understand a swing. They can understand a hitter's tendencies. And so they just grind teams out. And they, they lose 50 games this year. That may be a lot for them. But I see the teams they play. I see the teams they play. They can't make a pitch. Dodgers rarely chase out of the zone. They got to throw you a strike at some point in time, or they're going to keep walking. And that's their philosophy. And it's, I say it all the time on the air. The games are too long for the opposition. Ned, so then if, if you're a general manager like you were, or you're an executive, is there, um, is there a market inefficiency almost in finding those guys that you're talking about that can pitch, that can make consistent contact with the ball? Like, if you're a general manager in the sport, shouldn't those be the types of players that you're now looking to acquire? Well, absolutely. But not everybody looks at it the same way. And some people have different recipes for it. You know, the game has changed. Uh, the, the thought process behind the game in the last decade has changed drastically. And, you know, that's somebody else's opinion, and that's fine. That's, you know, they're in charge. They do what they, they feel is right. As when I was in charge, I did what I felt was right. And that's, you know, that's not to be – that can be adjusted, changed, whatever, but it, it is it is the thought process of intelligent people that, that – uh, have spent time looking into it and figuring it out. But, you know, just on a general look, it's, you know, I, I, I believe it's the lack of good pitching that makes it happen. And so, you know, are you going to start drafting players that throw 91, 92 miles an hour, but that can pitch? You're taking that player in the first round? Or are you taking the 97-year-old high school or college kid that, that walks too many people or he's getting guys out that really can't hit at that level in the amateur? So, you know, how are you going to do it? I guess it's a philosophy. It's, it's easy. It's easy to take the big power hitter who strikes out a lot because the power is like kind of, you know, it, it intrigues people. It's easy to take the 97 to 100 mile an hour lefty, righty. It's easy to take that player. But where are the results? Who wins? Who wins? Trevor Bauer has got four pitches. He can put them any place, any time, to any hitter. Clayton Kershaw's got three pitches. Same thing. Walker Bueller's got three coming up on four. Same thing. Julio Urias, who right? I drafted Kershaw was my first draft. Urias was signed by by our group in 2012. Great field for pitching. Could could never throw 100 miles an hour. But you see somebody 16-year-old with a feel for a change, a really good breaking ball, intellect to do the craft, strong intellect, desire to get better, desire to refine the equipment he's got. And now you got Dustin May, another guy that's almost like Walker Bueller. Fierce, great fastball, great slider, going to get better and better. He's probably 60% as good as he's going to be. But, but that's the group that I watch all the time. Yeah. And they weren't all Hall of Fame bound the day they showed up, maybe Clayton. Okay? Yeah. Even he, if you look at Clayton, if you look at Clayton, 
his first two years, his strikeout to walk ratio was two to one. 180 and 90. Look it up. So he had to learn, too, how to pitch. I had Greg Maddox at the end of his career throwing 84 miles an hour, winning a dozen games, 14 games. You know why? He knew how to pitch. Jamie Moyer, didn't pitch here, former Cardinal for a little while, also former Cubs, somebody I've known for 30-some years. Look how many games he won. Tell me how many times he threw one pitch, 95 miles an hour. Look at the end of his career, 82, 83, knew how to pitch. I don't know. Where's the answer? Yeah. I'm curious. Ned Coletti is our guest with the shutdown last year of minor league baseball, and they hope to get things going here in the first week of May. What do you think the residual effect of that will be in terms of watching performance and these kids coming back, specifically pitchers that haven't been in a competitive situation for over a year? I think it's it's a challenge. I think it's a huge challenge for the industry, and especially for teams that were in the re- rebuild mode. Sure. Okay. And this is how this is how we. You know, it's one of the topics we just had about. Okay, do guys get up here too soon? Are they ready to pitch? Well, some of these some of these young players had to play someplace. When you're a team and you're you're counting on young players, whether it's a veteran team like the Dodgers, and they, they still count on. Young players, you know, May, Gosselin, um, uh, Zach, uh, McKinstry, uh, all sorts of guys. Those, those players have to play. You've got to find a place to have them play. When you're a team that's losing 100 games and you've decided to go at it that way for three or four or five years and you're going to draft high and you're going to try and build it that way, which there's no guarantee you're ever going to get there, by the way, but that's how teams do it, the cut payroll. Uh, those teams, they need to play. And it was nobody's fault, obviously. It was, it was a worldwide situation. But teams I talked to, and I still stay in touch with most teams, they, they agonized over no minor league season a year ago. Agonized over it because they knew the 22-year-old that they just drafted out of college is now going to be 23. The 25-year-old that was starting to make some progress and just about there, now it lost a year, 26. I mean, all these things take up time. They take, there's only so much time. The clock is ticking on everybody in life. The clock is ticking on every athlete. And when you take a full year away from it, and in this case, actually more than that, um, you know, you, you've wasted a lot of time on the clock. But nothing anybody could do about it. But it is, it is it's going to be an adjustment. And when you don't compete for that amount of time, that's an adjustment, too, in my mind. A lot of players haven't played competitively, minor league players, since September of 19. Okay? Winter came. Maybe they played in the fall league. Maybe a couple touched winter ball. Let's say most didn't. Hadn't played since the end of the season, Labor Day weekend in 2019. Seems like a decade ago. Missed 2020. Starting up May 1st, perhaps. So you got September 1st to May 1st to throw out a date. That's a long time with another May 1st in there. September 1st to May 1st to the next May 1st. That's when you're coming back to compete. That's hard. That's hard to do. So, again, it's going to be a separator for teams. How do pitchers come back health-wise after not doing that? You can throw side work. You can throw BP. You can throw exhibition games. You can do all that stuff. It's not like playing in a big game. It's not like playing in a game where it, it counts in the standings. So it's going to be an adjustment. It's going to be an adjustment for them, 
and how do they do it? And are they going to be then rushed because the major league team has had a breakdown someplace? You know, it's a domino effect too. I'm going on and on here, but anyway, it's, you know, you, you've opened the, you've opened up a pretty big thought. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. It, it, it's an issue that a lot of these teams are facing right now. Ned, my final question for you, the Cardinals are, are facing a conundrum right now with a player by the name of Matt Carpenter. And He's had a a long, fantastic career here in St. Louis, but so far this year, the results just haven't been there. And it's been an issue for a couple of seasons now. He's hitting the ball really, really hard, but he's batting 081 on the season. And your experience, Ned, in the past, and I should probably also mention he's got $20 million as his contract this season, and it's the final year guaranteed of his deal. In, In your past, Ned, how do you kind of reconcile the fact that this is an aging superstar player that is just not seeing the results and maybe some of the underlying numbers are there, but it's been three weeks now and he's not seeing it. How do you deal with that as a front office member? Well, a a number of ways. First of all, you have to know the personality and the, and the, the person inside the uniform, which I'm sure the Cardinals and that know each other very, 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 very well. And, um, you, know, you probably have to have a conversation once in a while. How you feeling? How you thinking? Where you at? And um, you got to you start there. And you know, it's a it's a it's a communication thing that that has to be there. And it may be a sense where okay, he may have to take an IL for a little while to get untracked, or maybe something is bothering him physically. And and you're going to have to be patient with it, um, unless the player comes to you and very few will and say, "I'm done. I can't do this anymore." It's it's one of the rarest things you'll ever hear. People, players are competitive. They compete like crazy. And, you know, I've watched Matt far too much from the other side of the field. You know, Matt probably kept one of my teams or maybe two of my teams out of a fall classic. So a tremendous amount of respect for him. But, you know, time, time catches everybody at some point in time, and the league tells you how you're doing. You know, you have people tell you, but the league itself tells you how you're doing. I think you gotta you gotta play it by ear and you gotta be patient with it. And uh, you know, it's at, at some point in time you give the veteran the benefit of the doubt, and then at some point in time you have to give the team its best chance to win. And when those two those two things will kind of ebb into one from a nut, from one side to another as time goes on, and and perhaps he's you know maybe he's a slow starter this year, coming off again another you know goofy year last year with, with 60 games for everybody. A lot of different factors you got to keep in mind, but the number one thing is you got to communicate with the player to, and be honest, and the player's got to communicate with you and be honest. Hey, Ned, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Loved your uh, great run with the Dodgers and love what you're doing now and appreciate your time so much. All right, guys. Sorry, sorry if I got a little long-winded there. You know, Hey, we love it. I'm going on that topic. Hope it wasn't boring you there. It was great. We appreciate it very much. Thanks, All Ned. All right, guys. You got yeah, it. Right, well. that, you too. That's Ned Coletti, the uh, former uh, former general manager of the Dodgers, and he did put together some very good teams. And he's right. Matt Carpenter had two classic at-bats against uh, Clayton Kershaw that probably did keep him out of the, uh, the playoffs, and so did Matt Adams. So uh, interesting that he remembers that perspective of it. And do we, are we going to take a break here, uh, Tanner? How, how do we want to do this? We will wrap up here. Okay. Wrap up here. So here's what I want to do. Can we talk for a second about Matt Carpenter? 
because I thought we did in the first segment. I know, but I'm talking about his history. Oh, okay. Um, because we are getting multiple texts that are upset that I called Matt Carpenter a former superstar. Guys, Matt Carpenter was one of the best hitters in baseball for a six-year period. He was legitimately fantastic at the plate. He's one of the most productive players in the history of this organization. Not my opinion, statistically. I think that it is okay to separate the fact that Matt Carpenter is really struggling right now and has been for the last couple of years with the fact that this guy was awesome for the Cardinals, led all of baseball in doubles, not once, but twice in his career. He led the league in walks in the season in between those seasons. Matt Carpenter was a superstar hitter. He was. He is not that anymore, but at one point in his career, he absolutely was. Let's not underestimate what Matt Carpenter was at the plate. I think he, uh, Ned said something really interesting there that I, I I think probably is going to have to happen sooner rather than later. And that'll be the conversation with Matt of where you're at. You know, this is what we're doing as an organization. It's been tough enough for him to realize he's not an everyday player because he's not right now and probably won't be going forward as the team gets healthier. And I remember something that Tony LaRusso always said. It's it's very tough to manage a player in the twilight of their career Absolutely. that has had great success. And right now, that's the balancing act for the Cardinals in trying to get him some type of success and the team success. But ultimately, as Ned said, it's about team success. And that is the important thing. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I, I just I have a tough time with some people that struggle. I and mean, maybe this is on me to separate who Matt Carpenter was as a player with who he is now as a player, because you can't you can separate those two things. I can discuss who he is now and what's going wrong while also acknowledging what he was in the past. Very I think fair. those things need to happen. You have Alex coming up. We've got Blues Hockey coming up later tonight. Uh, pre-game with Alex at 6. Alex is going to be a busy guy, and you guys have a jam-packed show. What yeah, very much looking forward to it. We've got Gary LaRock kind of to the, the topic that you were just talking about with Ned Coletti. What happened last year? What what are these young guys doing now? What is this season going to look like for them? We'll talk to Gary LaRock, the Cardinals Farm Director, coming up at 11.15. Joey Vitale joining us coming up at 12.15. <laughs> You've been listening to The Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.